Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex blogger, a sex journalist, and I've written a lot of things about blowjobs, so people are just constantly asking me stuff about blowjobs. This is just my life now. Who are you, friend? (laughs) I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and a sex blogger, and I just really enjoy talking to people about blowjobs, so I bring it up all the time Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) to all kinds of audiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want somebody to talk about blowjobs at your party, invite one of us, or really yeah. invite both of us, because that's how you're going to maximize that that conversation. Because then we'll just talk to each other about blowjobs. Yeah, we'll just do a two-man show up here about <laughs> how great blowjobs are. And <laughs> your, your party attendees will be either very titillated or very confused. Perhaps quite, both. You never quite know. distraught. <laughs> Dickstraught, if you will. Oh. Oh, God, what is happening? <laughs> So we're back with the part two of Sex Educator FAQ. Last week, we answered a bunch of questions that we get asked all the time, uh, such as how do I have an orgasm and how do I get my partner to do a kink thing that I want to do? Um, or a, anything. Well, yeah. like a sex thing. I yeah. mean, maybe a concert. They don't come to us for that. <laughs> Never mind. Carry on. How do you get your partner to go to a concert you they don't want to go to? You you offer them sex afterwards. <laughs> Or you just play the music really loud in their presence until they learn to love it. Mm, I don't know that that's <laughs> that's going to be effective. Just judging by how I feel about the album American Idiot, but it's fine. Um, probably works for some people. What did that album do to you? <laughs> My Excuse brother played you. it on loop really loudly for like five I years. I knew I liked your brother. Anyway, carry on. It's this is Mayhem. A good album. <laughs> I have no way of telling at this point. Um, (laughs) None of this is relevant. Uh, Let's... (laughs) My first question. Bex, how can you squirt? How does one squirt? How may one squirt? Well, uh, uh, so first of all, also the is squirting pee I counter with. Oh my God. I will rant about that any day and get incensed. Um, so start there, and then I'll talk about what to do with that. Okay. So <laughs> here's my is squirting pee rant. Um, there's been a number of studies done on this, and basically some of them found squirting is pee, and some of them found it isn't, and some of them were very mixed. And uh, most of these studies have been very small, so it's hard to say if they're scientifically accurate and representative or not. Um, I think in my experience... Sometimes it's pee and sometimes it's not. I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about people I know and people who are known by people I know. Um, But I think, like, for me, ultimately what the debate comes down to is, like, is pee gross? And, like, I don't think that it is. And I think that um, it's, it's one of those weird situations where, like, we've coded certain sexual fluids as okay and certain ones as not. And it's, like, if you pee a little bit, uh, during sex for whatever reason, um, I think that that should be fine. Like, I think that, um, part of sex is like the messiness and grossness of it sometimes. And it bothers me that we tell people that that's like not okay. And that they should feel gross about squirting, whether or not what they are squirting is actually urine or not. And uh, I don't know. Can we just like let people enjoy their bodies and not be judgmental and weird about it? 
Yeah, that, for me, the debate always comes down to, like, does it matter? (laughs) Also, the, like, is the G-spot real debate? And what does even real mean? And, again, does it matter? Right, like, if it's giving people pleasure, and it has been for many, many hundreds of years, probably, um, like, why do we need to scientifically locate the anatomy? Like, I get that it's, like, interesting to do that, but I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. And, like, when consistently it feels good for people, it's not harmful to keep telling people to try it. Yeah. Like, it's worked in the past. It'll work in the future for lots of folks. So, like, let's keep doing it. Yeah. Science is weird sometimes. So, what is the G-spot? Different studies say that it's either parts of the internal legs of the clitoris. So, or it's the periurethral sponge, um which is a bit of spongy tissue that surrounds the urethra. Um, Either way, it's kind of... uh, Squirt is full of prostatic fluid. So the periurethral sponge, um, regardless, it's about two to three inches inside the vagina, um, curling towards the belly button, on the side of the belly button. Um, And you can stimulate that with fingers or with a toy, anything with a little bit of a curve. People often talk about the, like, come-hither motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and through stimulating that is going to cause that sponge to swell and fill up with fluid. And then during orgasm, which is a bunch of contractions of, uh, the muscles, it's going to squeeze that fluid out of you. Um, so the best way to get that gland to fill up with fluid is to stimulate the G-spot directly. And when you're stimulating a G-spot, it really, whereas the clit might like a lighter touch, the G-spot is behind a bunch of layers of tissue, so you really need to get in there to (laughs) massage it. You heard that, huh? Really, really just cram some stuff in there, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, like, think about how you would massage a sore muscle on your back, the way you would actually kind of put pressure on it. Mm -hmm. That's how a lot of G-spots like to be touched. They Mm -hmm. also tend to like attention after the person is already turned on. And that'll make them easier to find. The texture will be a little rougher, and it'll already be a little swollen if you've started out with, like, clit stim or something else. Yeah, I want to add to what you said, which is that uh, for a lot of people, squirting happens at orgasm. But for some people, it does not. Um, It can happen at other times before or after. Uh, For me, I've almost never had those two, two things sync up. Like, usually I'll squirt either like way before I come or like way after and it just feels like two separate things I think because like when I'm coming like my muscles tend to squeeze and like contract whereas when I squirt they're like pushing out um and I've heard for a lot of squirters that when they come they actually push out with their muscles which is not something that I think I've ever done so I think that's why that happens that way Mm, that makes a lot of sense and yeah mine often don't line up too uh they used to a lot more Mm -hmm. interesting bodies bodies are magic (laughs) <laughs> so like what what does that feel like when you're about to squirt or like maybe when you're about to squirt for the first time so uh, for a lot of people it feels like they're about to pee um which is a sensation because anytime they feel pressure in that area their body's usually peeing mm-hmm. so it's that and that sensation can scare a lot of people but the best thing is to just kind of bear down and, like, keep breathing and go through that. Maybe put a towel down so you have to worry a little bit less or do it in the shower. Um, but I couldn't possibly do it in the shower. G-spot stuff is too, like, intense. But <laughs> for people who that works for, you totally could. 
Um, I squirt in the bath a lot, and I I always make jokes inside my own head about the law of displacement. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if the water level just went up a little bit. Because <laughs> I'm a nerd. Um, but it's just a matter of the more you do it, your brain learns to differentiate those two things. But mm-hmm. uh, when you're new, it can be a little disconcerting to feel that but it's that's totally normal and it doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna pee you can even pee before you try it that way you know that you don't have to Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people get nervous about squirting because they worry about how their partners will respond but like in my experience most people especially most dudes like i have more experience with dudes most people are like pretty enthused about it because it seems to be like a a visible sign of someone's like enthusiasm and arousal like and I, the media hypes it up like in yeah. porn and everything it's supposed to be like the crowning achievement of pleasure which yeah. it feels good but also if you don't squirt you're not like lesser sexual or enjoying less pleasure than other people like if you want to learn learn if you don't want to learn that's cool too yeah, I went through that too for a while where I, I was reading all these sex bloggers who could squirt and I got really envious and practiced a lot and couldn't make my body do it and it made me feel kind of bad. Um, but now that I've learned to do it, I mostly don't do it because the inconvenience of having to deal with it is just more than yep. my, my laziness can handle most of the time. Um, but yeah, it's like a fun trick to have in your back pocket if you want it. I don't know. Yeah, my body... Uh, my body just did it, <laughs> and I had to learn how to not do it, because mm-hmm. laundry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. So, that was, that was a whole thing. Everyone, everyone is going on, like, these quests for it, and I'm like, guys, it's not that great! <laughs> it's, like, it's fun and all, but I don't own this many quarters. <laughs> There's always, uh, there's waterproof mattress pads, which people recommend, which are cheaper than the sex-specific, uh, basically, versions of the same thing. But you can get the Liberator Throw or products by Sheets of San Francisco, which are waterproof sheets that you can use. I have one that I keep under my bed, uh, so I can just yank it out at a moment's notice. Um, but, like, it's difficult sometimes with those because, like, the liquid all pools in one place. So if you, like, uh-huh. tip at the wrong angle or something, you're still going to get the squirt all over your bed. So, yeah, you gotta, you gotta watch where you're, watch where you're squirting a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Another question we get a lot of sex educators is about dirty talk. I think a lot of people want to be good at it and feel like they're not. And we actually did a whole episode about dirty talk i think as i'm saying this i'm like shit did we i'm pretty sure we did i don't know i think we did um i'll link it in the show notes if we did <laughs> i'm 86 sure we did <laughs> well so here's the thing we do a lot of time traveling and we don't know if <laughs> at this point in our timeline it's done yet mm-hmm. we've done it just maybe future us did what, it what color would the dildorks tardis be you would make it pink, wouldn't you? No, I would never. I would never steamroll over your boundaries like that. <laughs> I could do, I could do like hot pink. I mean, that's the only pink that exists to me, so that's fine. Yeah. So <laughs> that would be, it would be the gayest TARDIS. Can okay. we have glitter? Yes, uh, and like a rainbow baseboard? Yeah, naturally. Okay, I'm on board, yeah. Great. So yeah, we just got back from from our TARDIS trip. I don't know how time travel works. 
what is happening with this episode? I dirty don't talk. know, friend. I tend to dirty talk about the TARDIS. Uh, <laughs> it's bigger on the inside, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Throw me to the wolves. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Okay, so say Oops. you've never really dirty talked before. You want to get good at it because it turns your partner on or they've asked for it, whatever. What do you do? What are your first steps? So the basic like cardinal rule that everyone says is uh, talk about where you're going to do, talk about what you're doing, talk about what you just did. So I'm going to suck your cock. Don't you love when I suck your cock like this? <laughs> did you love when I just sucked your cock? Like, it's super easy. <laughs> Like, remember that time I sucked your cock? It's, like, just fill in the blanks. Um, Yeah. yeah. And from there, you can build on it um, Mm -hmm. and add, like, adjectives or descriptions. Um, So, like, I love the way your cock felt against my tongue when I was sucking your cock last week. Like, same exact thing I just said, but with more details. Mm -hmm. Um if you're trying to learn what kind of language turns you on, I recommend reading, like, a lot of erotica or listening to, um, like, audiobooks or fan fiction and things like that, because you're going to find the language that works for you, and you're going to find a lot of language that doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Yes, No, Maybe list has all of the... Um, has a bunch of words on it because i love to do yes no maybe lists for language as well the words you can call yourself your partner uh language for body parts and for actions and things like that because a lot of people have very strong feelings about the words you use for their body parts whether they're cis or trans Mm -hmm. like the cock and uh cock and dick line or cunt and pussy like Mm. those are divisive parties yes (laughs) Yes. Uh, one book that really helped me a lot with this is Sexting by Tina Horn, which, yeah. as the title indicates, is specifically about sexting. But she is also uh, an educator who teaches about dirty talk more generally. Uh, so she has a lot of advice in there that translates well to dirty talk in any medium. Um, I think it's easier to start doing it in sexting, or at least it has been in my experience, because you kind of get used to formulating sentences and coming up with ideas and typing these things, and then it gets a little bit easier to say them out loud. Um, She talks a little bit about the importance of like listening to uh, what kinds of language your partner uses and kind of incorporating those, because that Mm -hmm. can give you a lot of information, like pay attention to how they describe their own body parts. Um, It's interesting how like, Sometimes you can, you don't even have to ask someone, like, did you like when I use that word? Because you can just, like, see how their body and their face changes. Like, my partner, uh-huh. we do a lot of, like, phone sex things, and he called me well-behaved uh, in, in, like, a DS context. And I told him the next day, I was like, I really liked it when you called me that. He was like, oh, I know. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you made some sounds. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's paying attention is, is very, very important to dirty talk. And I think if you're attentive, that helps you a lot. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so this is a question we hear all the time, or we see a lot of articles trying to answer, Mm -hmm. uh, usually written by men. Um, (laughs) To the surprise of no one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, like, Kate, can you just tell me, like, what women think about (laughs) anything? (laughs) No, I can't. Speak collectively for women, please. (laughs) 
here's the thing. Uh, women are all individual people with individual oh, wait, 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 separate wait, wait. consciousness. <laughs> uh-huh. This is news. Uh-huh. Have you told anyone about this? I've told several hundred people about this, and let me tell you why. Um, I used to be a moderator on the subreddit called Ask Women. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... Um, it's uh, as you might know if you're familiar with Reddit. I think that the the, the uh, like the demographic of that site skews young and male. So there's a lot of dudes who are there like I don't understand women. How do I date women? Answer this question for me that I have about one woman in particular, but that I'm going to try to generalize to all women, which is not how that works. Here's a secret that the media does not want you to know. <laughs> um, one cool fact about women. Um, Each woman is a separate individual person with her own motivations and desires and history and personality. And that means that women all like and want different things, just like other people do. (laughs) Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. Oh my god. So it's like, I'm kind of being like jokey about this, but I... I really do honestly think that the way that our media has traditionally presented women does not allow men to fully understand and grasp this concept. Um, and like, even as a woman watching media, sometimes I like my internalized misogyny comes up and I'm like, why do women always act so dumb in like romance novels or whatever? And I realize it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. It's, it's the way that they've traditionally been written. Um, and, and it's very, it's very frustrating for people on all sides uh, because it leads to this attitude where like people who are trying to date women are like, I don't understand them. They're a mystery. I can't figure them out. And then if you are a woman yourself, sometimes it makes you feel like you yourself are like mysterious or hard to understand or irrational or don't make sense. Um, especially if you don't match what women in media models typically want or are like. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's just like, it's just a practice of like reminding yourself over and over again, no matter which side of this you're on, that like everybody is different. And if you want to know what one specific person thinks of a thing, you got to ask that person. Uh, that's really the only way to do it. I think a lot of this is just rooted in uh, our culture's obsession with the binary too. Yeah. Because there is just, there are just as many articles about the one cool trick that'll blow his mind, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and like, there are just as many women out there being like, gosh, I just don't understand men. They just don't have any feelings. Right. Um, Like, I think that there's a discourse of like, women are very complicated and mysterious, whereas men are very simple and easy to understand. And if you just do these things, uh, you'll, you know, rock his world in bed or, uh, or he'll want to date you or whatever. And that's very reductive, obviously. Um, and it, it causes problems for everybody including for people who don't identify as men or women obviously because then it's like well where do you fit in and like yeah it's it's just we gotta just remember that everybody's a fucking person and people are individuals and should be treated as such and um the, the problem with like ask women in places like that is that people are trying to avoid the difficult conversation that they know they actually need to have like if it's like i want to ask my girlfriend to spank me Um, the only way you can find out how she's going to feel about that is to ask her, but they want to avoid it because that's scary. So they go on the internet and they, they're like, how do women feel about spanking dudes? Or like, how do women feel about dudes bringing up kinks, you know, whatever. So they're really just trying to avoid this thing that they know is going to be difficult. And the answer is 
bravery and communication. And that's hard, but like relationships are hard. You got to do it. Yeah. So I wrote this down because I get this question all the time as someone who writes about sex. I'm not sure if you get it or maybe get different versions of it or whatever. People often ask me, like, how did you get so comfortable and confident talking about sex? Um, Which I find really difficult to answer for a number of reasons. Do you get people asking you this? I get that. Yeah, I get that a little bit. And I just get the, like, how did you get into this? I think Mm -hmm. the two of them kind of tend to go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I do get that too. Like, what was your journey to becoming comfortable? And I don't really... It wasn't really a journey for me, which I think is part of why I do this work. Mm. Yeah. See, yeah, like, I'm conflicted when people ask me this because part of me is like, yeah, it wasn't really a journey for me. I was always a sex nerd, um, was never really scandalized by this subject matter, was always interested in it. But then the other part of it is like, they ask it like I'm going to be able to tell them some secret or some one thing that might revolutionize their life. But like when people ask me, what was your journey towards sexual confidence? I'm kind of like, read my sex blog that I've been writing for six years. (laughs) Like that's got my journey in it because it took that long and longer to get where I'm at. And it's, it was not, there was no magic step. Like it was just practicing over and over and over again and like working on my confidence and, uh, you know, struggling to say certain words that made me cringe at certain times or like slowly getting better at asking for what I wanted. It's, it's such a process. There's, there's no quick fix for that. And I don't think we're the like enlightened open people that they think we are. No, like not entirely. I, I fuck up a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I still, I look back at six months ago, me and I'm like, Oh, I was in my feelings a lot then. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can look back, you know, three months ago and see things that I'm like, oh, look, I have grown. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't think that's ever, I hope that's never going to stop. Like, yeah, it's it's good that it doesn't. And people are like, how do you, how are you so shameless? How do you have no shame about sex? And I'm like, I have so much shame about some things. Like, I notice yeah. myself kink shaming myself all the time, um, sometimes erasing my own bisexuality or other parts of my identity without really meaning to because our culture just drills that into us like it's it's not like I have just somehow divested myself of shame and self-doubt like I don't think that that ever really happens for any of us yeah yeah absolutely and I I think it's like as with anything on social media it's important to remember that like you're comparing your insides to someone else's outsides as someone said I don't know who I'm paraphrasing there but like uh I I find it hilarious when people see my social media and think that I'm like really outgoing and confident and stuff because like in real life I'm very shy um (laughs) very anxious in a lot of situations so I'm like please don't like compare your internal self to my you know professional persona because that is quite different from who I am as a person (laughs) okay this is a super common question I think I don't get this one as much as I used to but used to get it a ton uh people want to know how do you spice things up (laughs) how do you uh revive your sex life in a relationship that's been going on a while where maybe the sex is not as exciting as it used to be or not as frequent as it used to be let's let's throw some paprika into our sex life how do you do that i am going to once again plug my yes no maybe list because i'm the worst I'm going to link it in the show notes, by the way. So if you're looking for that, thedildorks.com. Check out the link for this episode, and there will be links to all the stuff. 
do it on Friday because it's going to be so much prettier on Friday. I'm uh, working on pumping out an update for that, so I will have it soon because I just went back and looked at it and ugh, my spreadsheeting sh- skills have improved. Um, it's horrified. Virgo <sighs> power up. Um. Anyway, uh, a yes no maybe list is a really fun way to like examine to be given a list of things to try and be like, oh, I haven't tried that. Oh, I haven't tried that. And like point out all the things that you're mutually interested in that can be new and different. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, reading erotica together or starting like a Tumblr porn, uh, porn Tumblr together. Same mm-hmm. thing. Um, <laughs> can be like, if you're reading erotica and like highlight the bits that you like and pass it back and forth or, you know, start the Tumblr and both add things to one board, and you can kind of look at the things that turn each other on mm-hmm. and find new and interesting ways to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also nice to think back to the early days of your relationship and try to recreate that atmosphere a little bit. Um, and not necessarily just in sexy ways, like maybe you go on dates that are different from the dates that you currently go on and that are more kind of like exploratory and adventurous, like the dates you used to go on when you were trying to impress each other a lot more. Um, and maybe that will sort of shift the way you feel about each other a little bit. Um, go to a hotel if you can, oh, even so good. in your own city, even for yes. one night. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's also like scientific research that shows that one way to increase relationship excitement is to do scary or exhilarating things together, like going to a horror movie or a haunted house or riding a roller coaster, which is like kind of silly and sounds like it wouldn't work, but it, it works because of this this phenomenon called the misattribution of arousal, where like your body gets excited and then you uh, falsely attribute that to your partner. But it actually like has scientific backing and it's interesting and you get to go through this adventure together. I think also, like I said before, sexting can be a really like low pressure and easy way to introduce new fantasies. Um, so if there's a specific like role pl- role play scenario or sex act that you haven't tried with this person, you can like lightly bring it up in flirty texts or sexts um, and kind of like gauge their response. And that might be a way to like subtly introduce something if there's something you've been wanting to try for a while. Okay. So the last question that I get constantly, uh, it comes up in so many different forms and phrased differently, but basically the crux of the question is like, am I normal? Like people will write to me and be like, I have this kink that I've never heard of, or like, there's this thing that I want, or I fall in love in this specific way, or my attractions work in this specific way. And like, I don't know if that's normal. Um, am I a freak? And it breaks my heart when I get these messages. <laughs> They're very, yeah. very... Very heartrending. How do you respond to people who ask you if they're normal? I mean, short answer, yeah, in as much as there's no real such thing as normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's sexuality is going to be different. And honestly, at its like 90% of the people that ask me that question are very like typical as well, statistically. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. honestly, probably, yeah, you're probably very normal. Mm-hmm. Um but even people on more, like, into more fringe stuff or uh, part of more, like, marginalized groups, there's still hundreds of people like you on the internet somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of, like, finding your people, if that's even something you want to do. 
Yeah, it reminds me of uh, there's this quote in Jillian Keenan's book. Uh, she's a spanking fetishist where she asked an older spanking fetishist. I think it's in her book or maybe one of, one of the essays she'd written, but she asked like an older spanking fetishist, like what did people used to do uh, before the internet? Like what did kinksters and fetishists used to do? And this woman, this woman was like, uh, the bolder of us would like place personal ads in newspapers and the, the rest of us would just be lonely. Uh, which is horrible and sad. Um, but it, yeah. it, whenever I think of that quote, I'm just reminded of how lucky we are in a way to live in the age of the internet because no matter what you've got going on, no matter how weird you think you are, you can almost certainly find somebody who shares your experience in some way. Um, if you have a kink that you think is really weird, type it into FetLife. You'll see there are other people who have it. Um, that's And if you feel. don't find people... And you mm-hmm. feel comfortable doing it, be that person because other yeah. people will find you. Yeah, you can be a beacon of permission, as Kate Canfield says. Yep. One place where I saw this coming up a lot was actually when I wrote an article for a magazine about uh, th- what I perceived as the decline of penis and vagina sex. Um, my argument being that like it seemed like a lot of people I had been sleeping with at that time were not that into PIV and were just sort of disillusioned with it for a variety of reasons and it was so funny that whenever I would talk to people about this article I was writing a lot of them were like I love PIV what are you talking about but then a lot of them were also like um I can't believe like I I have never met anybody who like talked about this before and it makes me feel so weird that I'm not that into PIV so like thank you for affirming that um because like our media models are very cis het piv focused and so if you Mm -hmm. like things that are anywhere outside of that uh sometimes you can feel very alone so it it really reminded me the importance of like talking about these things because for me it was like fairly obvious to be like yeah piv is not the centerpiece of my sex life never really has been um but for a lot of people i talked to they were like oh i've like never really heard someone acknowledge that before that's really validating yeah talking about it is good yeah absolutely Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Dildorks. We hope you found it informative uh, and helpful. Uh, I have been Kate Sloan. You can find my sex blog at girlyjuice.net and the rest of my writing at katewritesaboutsex.com. If you go to that page this week and hit the essays button, uh, I wrote a piece for Cosmo, uh, which is really exciting. Cosmopolitan has been one of my, my dream publications since the dawn of my sex journalism career so this was really (laughs) thrilling for me um i wrote a piece about this masters and johnson concept called sensate focus which is where you touch someone for your own pleasure the way you might touch a piece of velvet um just to sort of enjoy the way it feels on your skin i i did this experiment where i approached a blowjob through this lens uh i gave a blowjob just based on what my mouth wanted to feel uh, and then I wrote about what that was like, and it was uh, it was pretty interesting. So you can check that out, katewritesaboutsex.com or cosmopolitan.com. So I'm fucking fancy <laughs> as hell. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where's your stuff? I'm Bex. You can find all my writing at bextalksex.com, which is where that updated yes, no, maybe list will be. Um, 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BexTalkSex. Together we're the Dildorks. We're at the Dildorks on Twitter and Instagram and at thedildorks.com. You can also find us by searching the Dildorks in your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, rate and review us. It makes us so much easier to find and brings us up in the charts. If you want to support us with your dollars, you can go over to patreon.com slash thedildorks and toss a couple of bucks our way. It helps us get to conferences uh, like Dark Odyssey, where I'm going to be presenting in a couple of weeks so exciting uh, and alt sex where you will be attending yeah yeah i will be at alt sex uh later this month which is in new york and it's this nerdy event where we talk about psychology and kink and it's gonna be fun yeah we got something cool coming up for our patreon subscribers uh it's our annual 420 episode which of course the final episode will be available on the regular rss feed of the podcast as per usual but um uh patreon subscribers who are at our dildorks live level uh can watch us do that episode live broadcasted over the internet which trust me is going to be really silly we're going to be very high um (laughs) that is going to be wednesday april 18th at 9 p.m eastern so uh if you want to get in on that go to our patreon patreon.com slash the dildorks and sign up at the level that uh that gets you access to dildorks live broadcasts um you can also help us out with that episode by sending us your sex and dating hypotheticals um you can email us at the dildorks at gmail.com with hypothetical questions you have about sex and dating that you think would be funny for us to answer while we're super high (laughs) i'm really excited about that episode (laughs) me too Thank you, as always, to Protodome for the use of our theme song, I Want You in My Bedroom, off his album Chip Funk, which you can get at protodome.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Amy, who did our art for us. She is at starboots underscore on Twitter. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. How was the concert? Um, well, it was just a, like, party thing. So Mm -hmm. it was just a bunch of people that are trash in the same way I am trash (laughs) in a, like, dark room in Brooklyn listening to music really loud. Love a good trash gathering. Yeah. There was no one even really performing. It was just (laughs) some, like, 20-year-old dude with the Spotify playlist. (laughs) Like, he had a fancy light-up DJ thing, but I'm pretty sure it was just a Spotify playlist. Because there was, like, a pause in between every song, and there was no, like... You gotta get the crossfade going. That's the setting. There was no, like, consistent energy. (laughs) Like, every song was different. Although, somehow, we made it through Chop Suey and Headstrong without any pits. But a pit started to open up on Mr. Brightside. the way to do it so that was cool and the like performance was just attendees getting on stage and dancing and the way you dance to pop punk is bouncing right um so it was just a bunch of people bouncing watching people on stage bouncing um but it was great (laughs) like it was really fun Because I got to listen to all of my favorite music really loud. And that's why my voice sounds like this. (laughs) 
you bounce the night away. I can't yeah, get that my, dance move down. I like my my legs just don't do that. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I I was doing okay, and then the kill came on uh, thirty seconds to Mars, and then and my voice did not survive. <laughs> it killed my okay. voice. Okay. And now it's we're right. here. It's all right. It's not like you have a podcast or anything. It's no, it's fine. fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. It's all good. And I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about people I know and people who I know who have had sex with. That sentence got away from me. Um. <laughs> um, what sponge? Jesus. Paraurethral? Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> what sponge? <laughs> I was like, spongy something. Which Do you like how you? I just stood there shocked that like I didn't <laughs> know it? I was like... Who even am I? Um, you gotta know the word paraurethral. Right? You gotta have that one in your back pocket at all times. Yeah, this is what I do. Um, I'm just losing track of what I wanted to say. I'm just rambling about the G-spot. Let me actually plan this mini lecture that I'm doing. I mean, that's basically the, the tagline of our podcast is let's ramble about the G-spot. So Yeah, we don't talk about the G-spot that much. No, let's talk about it more. Yeah. <laughs> this is the worst episode. This is the last one was all educational. It was a goddamn resource. Now we're here. Proceed. You're getting to the science part. Go. <laughs> really what we were saying is this would be a good starting point for people who want to know about our podcast and part 1 and part 2 are very representative of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of time thank you (laughs) i'm Um, a journalist (laughs) you are uh and i honestly halfway through answering that question was like oh right i'm talking about squirting not g-spots got it (laughs) i mean you need it you need both that's fine yeah yeah but i was like what even was the question talk about things that have happened talk about what is happening talk about things that will happen mm-hmm. remember last night when i sucked your cock like that uh i did that backwards i did that wrong that's <laughs> very wrong <laughs> why because that's not the order <laughs> why not because i did it wrong <laughs> i don't think you did. i'm gonna do it no because i said things <laughs> Things that have happened, things that are happening. You did it right. It was fine. Great. Thanks. Okay. Go again. Do it again. Just from the beginning? I don't know. Wherever you think. I'll just go from the beginning. The beginning of the episode? (laughs) Welcome to the Tildor. I write about blowjobs a lot. Um. (laughs) My cat is trying to shove her way past me. So I'm going to need to let her do her thing. And it's going to be loud for a second. Mm -hmm. Get away from my no frill, though. (laughs) Get your hair on it. (laughs) 